Hey there, Bloom Living Podcast listeners. You looking to up the game in your breathing, your body, your physicality? Well, guess what? KinOnline.ca is offering our listeners a special 10% off site-wide. Go to the show notes for the link. Here's what you get. Flow Yoga, Master the Basics with Rachel Dean, and 10 by 10 Morning Transformation with Tim Begley. That's 10% off. You can find it in the show notes. When you get there and you're ready to pay, you just write in Bloom 10 for your discount. Today's podcast is brought to you by Thomas DeShooter Business Success Coaching. Are you ready to experience your business thriving? Or maybe you're already thriving and you want a better system for managing your cash flow. The truth is, you need to be set up to win. And winning is all about the process. Being certified cash flow specialist and profit first professionals, Thomas DeShooter Business Success Coaching will put you on track to win big. Check the show notes to book your free consultation or go to thomasdeshooter.com. Welcome back to the Bloom Living Podcast. Hey, it's season five. This is episode five. Today, we will be speaking with one of my faves, uh, somebody who's become a great friend and uh, a bringer of light into my world, and that is Shaylee Edwards. And a quick shout out to Shaylee and International Page Day. She is the founder of HabitBook.com, and I encourage you to go have a look at HabitBook.com. She is a behavioral metaphysician. She loves to dive into inner space exploration. And if you check out her Instagram, especially IGTV, her live stuff, and the way she breaks things down, the openness, the frankness, the conversations she's willing to dive into, not only for herself, but for all of us. I mean, she, she loves to rip things apart and look at them and see what is there, what can be learned, what can be gained, what can be discarded. I'll admit today's uh, conversation gets pretty heavy. It gets heavy right off the top, so it's not for the faint of heart. And I invite you to stay with us and to enjoy the conversation as we tackle some pretty big ideas together. And it's really an exploration. It's a quest to see you know, what, what is our own understanding of things. So here she is, my friend and a great inspiration, Shaylee Edwards. Shaylee Edwards, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas. And you just asked me how I'm, I am doing today. And uh, so I'm doing well. This morning I was uh, actually reflecting on, we watched the Netflix documentary on the USA gymnastics fiasco of child abuse uh, mm. last night. Of course, because Tatum is so into gymnastics, she wanted to watch it. So we watched it as a family, the two girls and Leslie and I. And I mean, it was very impactful and like, wow, how things could go wrong and people just allow, right? Nobody says anything. Everybody just wants to not, 
you know, make a scene or not cause any grievance or anything like that. So they bury and they bury and nobody talks about it. But then this morning I was thinking about me as a father, like, you know, where I am today versus where I was, you know, the girls are going to be 14. So when they were six and seven, I was not in the consciousness I am today. And so I wasn't by any stretch a terrible father. I wasn't abusive. But from where I stand today, I was looking back going, you know, that was abusive. Like, you know, the way I disciplined them at times and got mad at them and, you know, tried to teach them lessons at the age of six and seven, I could almost look back and go, I was a terrible father. So I did some, my meditation this morning was about releasing things and letting go and then reaffirming a new way of being, right? So a denial and an affirmation was my meditation. So this morning I was able to, you know, deny that those feelings, those thoughts of guilt and shame and badness that I had, had any power over me and affirm a new way of being for who I am today and where I stand today. So it was great. And it was really great to see what I don't want to be that I, I don't want to be that guy. Like that, that guy doesn't light me up. This guy lights me up. So to answer your question, that's where I'm at today. It's, it was a, it was a nice healing journey. That's very profound work. Is that something that I can comment on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think those topics, um, let's say like uh, not low-grade abuse, but sort of a context or an environment where it doesn't reflect what we would do or be in our highest consciousness um, have been on my radar as well. And I think that when I look at what it is, um, so how do you define, so I know like when we're talking about your girls, I know the bar that you set for yourself as far as like expression. <laughs> so like, I see like you saying like, no, you can't have ice cream, but like sharper, faster than you would now. <laughs> but let's say like we take this into a different context. Is this something that you want to explore? Sure. Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about what we, what we, what you and I would talk about. We should talk about Okay, great. Yeah. So this has been kind of on my radar and I look at it like it is when one person perceives that another person has something that um, they want or need. And that could be acceptance, that could be a resource, that could be, it's just a, one person perceives that something outside of themselves is affecting them and then takes action on the thing outside of themselves. So that could be um, maybe like around peace. I feel upset. I feel unsettled. You are causing it. And so I'm going to step over my line and step into your world and move things around. Okay. So is that in reference to how I would have reacted to what the girls were doing? That's me stepping over going, what you're doing is triggering me. I'm going to step into your world and do whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. But when I was looking at it, like at, um, so I guess what I've been exploring personally is like radical transparency and how that is somehow scary or seemingly impossible in contexts where there have been like, um, like let's say unbalanced retribution. So it's like if one person does, I, I poke you with a magnitude of one and you poke back with a magnitude of three, that 
poke of one that I had been doing naturally is no longer like safe for me to do. And so my natural expression has been inhibited and then it's like, what do I do? And so that's kind of like where I'm seeing that people separate from their inner voice where there has been like an imbalanced retribution. Right. So, uh, let me see if I can understand that. So what you're saying is like, is I do something that maybe triggers somebody, it's kind of minor, they come back at me much harder than how I went out. And so now it shuts me down. God, I wish you could follow me around and just summarize. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so looking at what's available as far as human interaction and intimacy and connection, it seems like transparency is that secret sauce. But for one reason or another, we become uncomfortable with thinking that that's even a possibility. And so it's like, how do I say this? How do I share this? How do I blah, 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 so this other person can interpret it? Where had that been a safe space to begin with, the initial presentation wouldn't had to have been perfect. There would be like room to work with it. And so it's like, how does someone retrain themselves after they've had the experience of imbalanced retribution to really own the entirety of their experience and, and share, hey, this is comfortable with for me. This is what I want. Hey, you know. Right. So now are you speaking in terms of the injustice that went on in the USA Gymnastics in terms of like those those people coming forward or those people... Uh, burying like so there's two camps there's the obviously there's all the girls and the athletes that were abused and then there's the adults that were in control of the situation that were turning a blind eye to it yeah it seems like these like environments built out around imbalance or injustice that um, where it seems at first impossible to turn the lights on and see everything. And so there's just like this continuous dance of adaptation that's apart from what is natural. And so a lot of like the people that I see on, you know, on the path or um, in, in pursuit of them, of their best selves often have these barriers to overcome where they're saying like, Oh, before I wasn't able to share that this is what I needed from you, or this is what I truly felt or, or thought but now how do I come to express that? And I think um, relative to the gymnastics example, there probably was, um, it's just, it's that retribution, imbalance retribution fear that holds people in, in places that are uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, I know this morning it, it really impacted me on the level of just being, a, I mean, yes, a dad, absolutely. But then it expanded into, everything I do, all the work I'm doing in the world and whether I'm going to, you know, how do I show up, right? Like how do I show up as my best self all the time? And I know that's not possible. Like I, I know intuitively I can't be on every moment of every day. It's just not possible. There's going to be these ebbs and flows of deep thinking and retracement. And then, you know, springing forth from that might be a whole new level of vitality and energy that comes and then that might burn hot for, you know, a week or two or so. And then new ideas will form from that new ways of expression will form. And then I'll start to think about that stuff. And then I'll start going into this 
inner world again where I'm contemplating it and have these darker moments or what seems darker until the light gets turned back on again and then it's like a leap forward. Yeah, and I think openly um, demonstrating that as your practice is really empowering and helpful because there is sort of a like a glare on shiny people from the outside where you can't really see that process, which is very real, where you sort of like, it's not necessarily a spiral, but it is revisiting a lot of the same things deeper and deeper. And sometimes when you are in that, um, revelation cycle, it, it can get kind of dark and challenging. Yeah. That's how I felt this morning. I felt a little darker this morning. Not so like, Hey, hey laugh is so good. I can't, you know, it was like, Oh, mm, mm -hmm. I need to contemplate this a little and dig a little deeper on it. And how do I feel? And where are those feelings coming from? And I really honor that your practice is such that you can open those doors and walk like down those hallways. They're really uncomfortable. And I think that's what holds back a lot of people from higher expressions of themselves because they have to walk through older expressions with their new awareness. And if there's any kind of judgment around worth or ability, that can be very fearful because, hey, maybe I'm not so great. Hey, maybe I don't have the authority to say this or be that or do that. Hey. And so it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to wait out here. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> But it does seem like the best way out is through. The best way out is through it. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And let's put this, let's, let's, let's put this conversation on you a little bit. How has that been for you? Because I know, you know, I follow you. I see a lot of your stories. I see a lot of your content. I love, you know, my favorite is still the spatula. There's nothing quite that will top the spatula conversation. That is, that is, you, you know, you're going to have to really go deep to overcome the level of magnitude that the spatula has in this household, especially. Uh, but yeah, like how has your journey been? What is it that, you know, how do you piece your life together when, as you move, because you work with people, so you're going to be taking in some of their stuff and processing that, and then there's your own stuff to process. Well, it's actually pretty interesting. So if we look at, I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about a course in miracles, have we? We have. I don't think we ever have, and uh, it'll be interesting to do it. So let's let's do it. Okay, you start. What is your experience with that material? Well, I was, I was in the, my spiritual path to when I came to the a course to a course of miracles was the star Wars that there was the Jedi. They were good. They were the, the bringers of light and there was the dark side, the dark force. And those were, you know, th those were our two ways of being. We were either, you know, lightsabers or we were the dark side. <laughs> and that was it for me. That Because I had turned away from religion when I was a teenager. I was like, I don't understand any of this stuff, this shilt, this guilt and shame and all this. I don't get it. I'm not in, out, I'm out. Uh, and then we moved in 2015, we moved to Nanaimo and Leslie went to Unity here where they had A Course in Miracles on Thursday mornings. And she went to that because she was a Marianne Williamson fan and she brought it home. It ended up on the coffee table eventually moved its way closer to me, you know, like it walked across the table to me. And then I, I opened it. And by page four, I realized I had collapsed 
spiritual teachings of Jesus and his message with organized religion and the dogma. And they were two separate things. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, when I saw right there that, oh, they can be separated, then I couldn't put the book down and I read it twice. And then I went to unity and decided to become a minister. So that's my experience with A Course of Miracles. Wow. <laughs> and that's not a light read. <laughs> oh, my, it, took me, it took me a year and a half to read it twice. Yeah. Okay, so interesting. So um, that is a great entrance point. What I have discovered, quote unquote, or what has become present in my awareness recently, say in the last six months, is um, more of an embodiment of the concept of light and dark being of this, it's like two hands on the same body. And so in that, this, the idea of judgment of what is good or bad becomes so impossible because when you zoom out, so right and wrong, good and bad to me are relative to frames of reference, but the mind of God is frameless or, or it, 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 it's everything. And so when something is small, it's relative to something that's big. If something is good, it's relative to something that's bad. But when you look at, so kind of like points on a line, you can't really tell when you view the point in isolation, if it's the up part of a curve or a down part. And I think with good and bad in the instance, you say like, oh, holy, like it's raining, it's storming, like this needs to stop. But when you zoom out and you get more picture of a line, you say like, oh, wow, that's enabled or allowed for this. And so going back to sort of this like opportunity that comes up whenever uncomfortable things come forward, it's like compassion. To me, what the like quote unquote objective is, is not perfection internally or externally, but rather just a practice of perfect acceptance. And when that's not perfect and acceptance of that. So with a pause, like I'm thoughts, feelings, you want to summarize? (laughs) I I, no, I, I, I got all that. And I think that was clear. And so what I'm hearing from you so right now is that is the is inside of God the conversation of God being all oneness unity the universe however source whatever you want to call it inside of that there is the good and the bad it it it's all of it it's all of it is the journey there isn't you know you can't have one without the other in this world of duality there is it's just mis it it may be misguided truth in a, if you want to put it that way, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Right. Okay. So what, how that looked in real life with that acceptance of the two experiences being equal, it's almost like it afforded a greater picture of the landscape or the terrain. So before I had been very light oriented, that's only half the picture. You need the dark to see the, to see the ground. And so whenever I stopped denying my own darkness or um, pushing away my own pain or fear and was able to integrate it. It was like kind of like dropping into my body and there is when you are not concerned, when you allow for both things to be 
equal and okay, light and dark, good and bad, then you aren't fearful anymore of doing something wrong. And it allows you the confidence to grow forward and also the capacity to forgive yourself and everyone. So there's just like this, it's a very, it's been a very strange, it, it's almost like inside it's complete stillness now because I have so strongly integrated that nothing is good or bad. It just is. It's like only thinking it makes it so. And so I'm just noticing period. There is no narrative because all narrative is a function of judgment, which is relative, which is false. So there's like nothing I can say to myself to understand that would be quote unquote true because it would be limited. Mm. Wow. That's uh I'm glad we just decided to start with a light topic this morning. (laughs) 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 For any anybody that has stayed with us on this podcast, I I commend you for We commend ourselves to you in this moment as we share what is coming up. You know, uh, so here's what here's what I loved uh, and heard. So what I immediately think of is darkness is only the absence of light. Okay. And so you can you can bring light to any darkness. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is that darkness is light as well. So there's like when you say light or dark, you're still in dual, you're still in separation. Where I'm saying like you allow both things to be without distinction or without like conceptualizing them. Okay, and that's and and so you're saying that's the place you've gotten to. Yeah. Is that you're in this space where it's just it just is. So uh have you read the surrender experiment, Michael Singer? Yeah. So are, is this the, is this the plane that we're on now? The surrender, like just being able to, to surrender to whatever is. Yes. Okay, good. And so then this would also be with Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning. Actually, I have to revisit that work after the work I've done the last few years. I'm not sure. Do you remember if he says that there, can you remind me what his, so there's there's a couple of yeah there's a couple of moments there's one when he's first uh when he's first brought to his first concentration camp and they're being stripped down and you know he's naked and they're doing you know they're putting the powder on him and then they have to shower they have to shower and then they get powdered or however that works I, i forget but he he has this moment where he realizes that no matter what they do externally they can't take him away they can't they can't control what he is within that's his he owns that he can be that that's what i took away from that and then there's another moment where i think he's 5 years into being in the concentration camps or a number of years in however many it is maybe it's his sixth concentration camp i i forget but he's missing his wife and he has this realization of unconditional love and that no matter what that's what will allow him to go through all of this is having unconditional love in any circumstance. Yes. Okay. So same page. That's what I'm, when I'm talking about beyond judgment, beyond the mind, it is unconditional Mm. because it's without distinguishment. It just is. Hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, what it, what it's looked like in practice to get to that point was a lot of times where I'd be sitting somewhere thinking like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. <laughs> like this, this is what's happening right now. This is what we're doing. And it was almost and like, so when we look at understanding or um, any kind of like thinking, it's to me a perpetual perpetuation of the illusion of control and that it's like, if I can understand this, then I can control this. But why would you want to do that? And it's all in separation. So without thinking, you just, I am, there is nothing that is not you. And so the concept of having to do something to get something falls away. And then the only point would be to experience, to, to, that's it. I want to go back a bit because when you talked about, uh, when you mentioned God and the oneness, one of the things in unity we talk about is uh, the Trinity. And the Trinity in my upbringing as the whole, in the Holy Catholic Church, the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I was always told as a kid I would never understand those, so to not contemplate them, to just accept them for what they were because it's too big a concept for us humans to manage that. And Charles Fillmore, who is the co-founder of Unity, he, in his, his very first book he wrote back in, I think, 1909 or something, uh, he came up with the idea of mind, idea, expression, that God is principle, the principle being mind, so all things, right? Uh, idea is us, the son, the daughter, idea, we are the idea, and we express ourselves. And so you have this big one thing of consciousness, unity. We, ex we get those ideas, we express them. Like that's the, pro that's the process. That's how he um, explained the Trinity in terms of unity. Because in unity, there's no God outside of us. There's not, you know, the guy up in the sky judging and all that stuff. We are gods. We are part of that exact thing we are all oneness we are all wholeness and so i heard that when you were first you know explaining that off when you were talking of the oneness i that popped into my head is that this you know i'm still i am still a, in a place of trying to unpack that fully as god as principle you know i'm the idea and i express myself and you know, part of the steps of unity is that the last, there's five unity principles. The fifth one is action. Like nothing works without action. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Like, I think along, so in this awareness, what I see is more that, um, in the concept of just expression, there's sort of like this opening, this blooming of a flower, this like just unfolding and we're witnessing. And when we notice it moves a little, we try to figure out how so that we can replicate, but it, but just sort of like is. And so to me, the, the path sort of ends at any moment that we have chosen perfect acceptance of ourselves and our lives. So when you have the quote unquote, like awareness to know what is good and bad, that to me is separation from what is. And so it's com without complete judgment saying at this moment, everything I am have done and 
you know, will do is perfect and the same is true for others. I think where that gets sticky or trippy for the intellectual type is when they zoom out and say like, well, that's obviously hurting someone or this is obviously not healthy or this blah, blah, blah. And being someone who has walked through a lot of like 3D pain and, and trauma and experience, I can certainly feel and see where they would be like, you got to be kidding me. This can't be right. However, there is something in that moment of like shoulder shrug, maybe it is, that allows for the experience to move you in a way that actually lifts you. And I, I keep trying to um, consider how to like forefront of mind, like how do I share that in a world right now where there is a lot of quote unquote pointing, like this is right, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of social media shaming. Well, let me see if I can help you because you did something for me a number of years, maybe a year and a half ago, we had a conversation and I was doing a, some work with you. And I just want to bring this to potato chips. <laughs> so, I mean, who doesn't like a good potato chip, right? Like, but I, I was expressing to you my anger and resentment towards my love of the potato chip and how I, I sort of held the potato chip as the blame for, you know, me being unhealthy or not being as trim and slim as I could be, or as perfectly designed as I could be or shaped, however I was framing it in my head. And, uh, and you just, <laughs> you just gave me permission to enjoy the effing potato chip. Like have a potato chip and just enjoy it. And, you know, and ever since then, I've been in a whole different place around potato chips. I still have a little bit sometimes when I'm having them, I have a little reminder of like, oh, these are bad for me. And then I'm like, no, no, I can, you know, I can control this. And I'm, I'm going to have a potato chip right now. And I'm gonna, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have 20 right now and I don't care. I'm going to do it. And you know, maybe tomorrow I'll have more. Maybe I won't. I'm not going to worry about it and stress about it. And I found that when I stressed and worried about it, it was way more of a draw and way more punishing to try to not have them or have them versus just accepting when I feel like a potato chip and when I don't feel like one. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That's how I'll go down in the blue living archives. <laughs> forget this stuff about <laughs> transcending the mind <laughs> but it's true it's like it's all the same the same principle applies everywhere but for some reason some areas feel safer to experiment with than others and i don't i guess it's fear of the wrongness quote-unquote persisting but what i found in complete surrender is that you can come to trust that you'll sort of like write yourself so it's like, let's say like I let myself eat chips all day, every day. Eventually, it'll the behavior will correct itself as long as there's not resistance. And to me, resistance is just a narrative. It's explaining something in time or space where space to me is relative to what other people are doing or, or thinking. And when all of that collapses, there's just information. And information naturally updates how we... Uh, um, interface with the world and 
it seems like in that information you find safety which then allows for again this concept of concept of confidence and forward moving action which to me sort of going back to like what's the point then of of doing it's the experience of it and when you allow for safety and confidence the experience continues to be new mm. yeah it's like a new day a new moment a new time Yes, rather than cycling what has been seen like uh, decided as safe or right or comfortable, you trust yourself to explore in ways that you haven't before. Yeah, so let me see if I can uh, give an example. So I know, uh, so when you surrender to something, mm -hmm. when you actually just surrender to the fact that, and I'll use the potato chip as an example, like, hey, I love potato chips and I'm going to enjoy them when I want to and surrender to it. I have to say there's been moments where I've looked, I've looked in the mirror and it's like, you know what? I can enjoy potato chips. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I need to do to move through life because I'm, I'm in that place and I can enjoy these and I can not enjoy them. Like I have a choice. So I'm either going to eat them painfully. I'm still going to eat them or I can eat them and enjoy them. I might as well enjoy them. Like I, I might as well have the moment if I'm gonna have them, I should just enjoy it. Like yes, and what occurred to me like fresh during what you were saying was that each experience, each action is really just a canvas that we paint our internal experience onto and so in essence, you are potato chips. Like potato chips are you. They're only they only appear to be separate. And if your internal experience is that of love and awe and adoration, then whenever you have like something, that is your experience of that as well. And so it's kind of cool then in reverse, we can use situations like that where we feel uncomfortable or wrong about what we're doing to kind of love ourselves more like oh i must not be cool with this piece of me yet like and and bringing that in using that information to update the internal world so that the experience then reflects back um, a brighter like more loving um sensation mm. thank you so here's here's where um here's where i'd like to take this a little because this this triggered some thoughts for me so in the world of not accepting and needing, so the conversation of needing to be right, like I need to be right. And, and I do wanna talk a little bit about social shaming because I think what has happened here with all of this conversation around COVID-19, quarantine, going out into the public, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, and people being able to go on social media and just barrage somebody because they have a difference of opinion. Where is that coming from? Like, what is it, what is it that I guess gives people the idea that they're free to just, you know, trash somebody because they don't agree with them? Do you have an answer for that? Like, do you like, what is it that we're, we're experiencing as a culture as humans that we feel like I need to go destroy this person because I don't agree with them. 
That's a great question. Um, all right, so the first thing that I would allow for is that everybody is in kind of a static electricity environment where there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of discomfort, and anything that kind of stands out as like a lightning rod, it's like, oh, thank God, release. So I think there's a component of that. I think there's probably a component of, um, so when we look at that, going back to again, to the light and dark concept, the good and bad being relativeless, in, this con in that world, things are both true and false at the same time. And when we look at us each being individual creators, the rules that apply to Thomas and how he creates based on his beliefs are different than Shaley's, but they generate results just like Shaley's generates results. And so there are people that will believe strongly, and this is probably more on the like quote unquote, like crazier side, there will be people that believe strongly that a mask will save their, uh, will do something. And there will be others that believe that it won't. And both of those experiences will be true. And so there's probably some um, collective discomfort in this. That's the terrain. That's everybody's safety. That's everybody's ground they're standing on. And now it's like, you don't know it's true. And I think in that there's a little bit of a free, free, all right and what and do you think that do you think that the the cover of social media of not being face to face with somebody not having you know like me having a conversation with you right now even though you know we're doing it through electric zoom the electronic world i still see you as a human being it would be a lot harder for me to aggressively attack you verbally just because I can see you, I can see your expression, I can see that you're a passionate, caring individual, you know, when, when and do you think that the social media platform then allow, because it's so, you don't have that human connection, it just allows the freedom for somebody to think, hey, I can just do, say, or do whatever I want and get away with it, I guess, so to speak? Well, I think too. So people who would respond strongly are probably coming from a lot of fear and pain themselves. And if we go back to that idea of the retribution, um, uh, imbalanced retribution, where their voice had been silenced before, maybe in their personal lives, they may see this as an opportunity to exercise what they really think or feel. And so then going back to are things good or bad, it's like, well, actually, that might be a great step for them in the right direction to having their own experience. It may look like, you know, like, you know, a show at first, but that's why whenever I talk about this acceptance piece, it's really like the shoulder shrug, like, well, this is what's happening. And so how do we allow for that to be okay? And most chatter around coming to that is basically just kind of like reconfiguring the same sentence a bunch of different ways so somebody could hear it's okay you're mm. okay things are okay you're safe hmm. you know it's funny while you were saying that what popped into my head was the uh in the in certain scriptures in the bible so there's a section of the hebrew scriptures the philosophers right and all of those guys were just like trashed and at times beaten and left for dead because they were going up against the machine right they saw things they they had this ability to see that the uh the machine isn't working we're not taking care of everybody there's you know there's the oppressed 
there's the marginalized and we're just letting them suffer. And so they couldn't help but speak out against it. They needed to, you know, show that, hey, we need a new order here because the order we have is not working. And, and I'm seeing so much of that today in the world as well, that the order that we've created is, you know, the, the line between the have and the have nots is just that gap is growing massively. And, and so I'm curious uh, where that's going to take us because I see more, you know, I think the black lives matter movement is so much about that is it's, it's this idea that we're, we're just not, the order we've created is not working on, on almost any level when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, so unplannedly, when we go back to these ideas of right or wrong, those philosophers that you're talking about who went against the system would still be in separation because they'd be saying this is wrong. And I'm talking from a thinking standpoint, but from an action standpoint, what occurs to me then as the solution is the solution. So what what I see in the Black Lives Matter movement is this huge opportunity for the awareness of the struggle that this portion of the population has felt to really be seen. So this like, it's first just awareness, it's hearing what their experience has been like. It is honoring that it cannot be understood except from within. It is there's just like a whole bunch of awareness. And then the next step, similar to what you went through this morning is acceptance, where you say like, I see it. I accept that this is the way that it is. I own my portion of the responsibility. I forgive those who did not know better. And there is then this opportunity where if you can move beyond what's wrong, you can talk about what would be great next. And that's where I see sometimes like, um, loss of footing. And I think that's because there's so much healing or awareness and acceptance that needs to be done first. But ultimately it's like, okay, what, what is our, what would be great? How do we, what do we create beyond the current system that supports each individual and their integrity, their authenticity, their safety? Right. Wow. That's a big, Thank you, Shaylee. That's a big uh, awareness that I see that even in that context, I have a, I have a right or wrong, like this is the wrong way to do it. And there's a right way to do it. And I, I see that. So I guess, you know, if I were to look at this for myself and maybe for where others might struggle is, is in hearing that there's no right or wrong. And yet I have this compulsion desire to do things differently. And so where does that, does that like, somewhere in me it's framed like that that's either that doesn't light me up i can put it as that like that just doesn't work for me so i'd rather do this but what you're talking about is being able to say that doesn't work for me and it's not wrong it just doesn't work for me and i will do this instead because mm -hmm. this works for me but accepting that that works for somebody right? Like that way of being is good for somebody. Somebody thinks that that is the way to function. And it's different from how I think I want to function. Yeah, I find that in affording other people their own experience, their own choices, it's similar to saying like, look, like you've been in this game, this self-awareness, this consciousness game for a while. 
if you went back to algebra class and you were like, hey, let me talk to you about what I learned in calculus, it's like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. And what I think is so helpful to remember when there's somebody in the wrong is that they're generally operating from a place of so much pain and fear. And it's not that they are a bad person. It's just that their ability to experience the self beyond the self has been impacted in one way, shape or form. And they've forgotten or are uh, experienced this, they've forgotten the connectedness of everything. And so when I'm having conversations with family members who are a little bit more, who, who see differently than me, I'm first saying like, okay, help me understand where you are. What are you afraid of? Where are you? Teach me what it's like from your perspective. And in that, as they allow for their own awareness to go there safely, it gently expands and what they see as possible or safe expands. And so it isn't as like sexy as being like a warrior on the front line, but it does seem to make a difference. Mm. So, so maybe what you're talking about then is allowing the space for people to be heard and accepting that they're that they're being heard. So I just thought, here's what I thought is that imagine if, so I'm trying to imagine that I'm the guy that's on social media, just lambasting people left and right because their their ideas don't mesh with my ideas. And then what if I were to actually stop doing that and say, hey, Shaylee, your opinion is way different than mine. I'd like to understand where you're coming from. And just start there as opposed to, Hey, I've made up my mind. And if, you know, if you're again, if you're not with me, you're against me. And so therefore I need to shut you down. But imagine if I were to just stop for a moment and begin speaking to you and ask you like, where are you coming from? Because I think two things happen there. One is not only do I understand greater where you're coming from, if I'm truly listening, but then as a listener, when somebody's being heard and listened to, they actually find their voice, right? When you're truly being heard by somebody and you're going through something, you will resolve your issue much greater on your own by that process than having somebody tell you what to do next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what I found so why would someone be hesitant to take in information? Well, they're probably not confident in their ability to adapt. And so there's this psyche safety that I think we're experiencing where these blocks come up and it's like, I can't take in that information because if I have to change how I act, kind of like you were saying earlier today, if I have to change how you, how I act, maybe I won't be able to generate this result or get this resource or do this thing. And so it's like, I'm just going to block off and be this. And so the people who have a broader perspective, whenever they're looking at the smaller perspective and they're saying like, don't you see, it just kind of like reinforces that walls need to be there because they're even more afraid. Mm -hmm. And so what I found in like having this approach, again, it's not that it's, uh, it doesn't seem as like, like I said, like I think the word is sexy, but it's like, when there is this big, strong action that people can see and point to, it's like, oh, you're doing something. But there are other ways to do things that might not be as noticeable 
It's like having a fire put out versus having things in place that there was no fire necessary. Right. So it's, it's, if I heard that right, it's, it's just accepting that there's a different way of doing things. It's accepting that that is like the furthest that that person's flower is open right now. Right. And not again, like that, this is this whole orchestra, this whole combinations of ways of being and doing and thinking that are all kind of working together. If we go to this unity concept, each piece is, is unique and necessary. And so somebody who's doing wrong action is also part of that system. That's the tough one, right? Is the, you know, the wrong action, so to speak, like, oh, that's not, you know, that's not part of the collective. We don't think that that fits into the collective. And yet it is part of it. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is metaphysics. And what that means to you. Is that a big question to, for me to, to, to drop in your lap right now? <laughs> no, it's really interesting. To me, it means um, awareness or rather the allowance of the awareness that there are, there's more than meets the eye. And so whenever I talk, whenever I'm like self-proclaiming as a, behavioral metaphysician, what I'm saying is there are things upstream from action and things that are affecting action and things. And you can, and, and to me, it is all like that fundamental point of misperception of separation. So that's when I'm talking about metaphysics, I'm basically meaning, do you allow for that misperception? It's, it's working beyond the misperception. Right. Working beyond the misperception. So I, I did pull up the, uh, the definition of metaphysics and you're pretty like what you said is, is in a line with that. Do you know what the definition is on Google? No. It, okay. It's, it's the branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles of things, including abstract concepts such as being, knowing substance cause identity time and space do you want to know something kind of cute yeah okay so my unfolding has been very foreshadowy and like a disney way where it's like hey here's this word or this idea say it for a few years and then 10 later you'll get it so when i was um like in college and yeah, mostly around college, before I would date a boy, I would ask if they knew what metaphysics was. And I didn't even know what metaphysics was, but somehow that occurred to me as like a way to filter suitors. <laughs> and so it was quite ironic and funny to me many years later when I was like, oh, wow, I noticed that I'm calling myself a metaphysician. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you had, uh, Thank you for that. That's a great little cute story. And you had sent me uh, an email or a text asking me if I knew of some metaphysicians or people that study metaphysics. And I sent you, you know, Charles and Myrtle, because I think so much of Unity's work, I mean, he's got an entire 
metaphysical dictionary that he created based on scripture, uh, which is fascinating because it's like, you know, when you read in the Bible, Moses goes up the mountain, does he actually go up the mountain or is the mountain a higher consciousness that he's climbing to, right? It's that kind of thing. So it's taking all of that work that's in the scriptures and turning it into something different than the literal words on the page. So have you found others that are delving into that world that you've read that are fascinating or that have, you know, switched on some, some new lights for you? Cause I would love to, I would love to read those as well. Oh, actually I'm going to drop this in before I suggest, but I guess a more, uh, visual representation of what metaphysics is to me is Indra's net where it's like in each droplet, every other droplet is reflected. And so that same um, translation that you're talking about of the Bible, I think you can translate anything that way, the comics, like your interaction with your neighbor, it's all, all everything is contained therein. And it's just how you read it symbolically. Right. Um, I loved Emmett Fox's work on the Sermon on the Mount mm. and what else? Joseph Murray has done some stuff I really enjoyed. And, um, what was really interesting to me to find out too is Robert Collier, Collier, I think I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but he wrote the secret of the ages, which I think the documentary, the secret was derived from somewhat he was actually like a marketing genius. And when you look at um, his books on, I want to say he wrote scientific advertising, but that might be somebody else. But around that same period of time, it was direct mail advertising and copyright. It's really interesting to see the crossover between those two things where it's like, can you say, can you tune into what, what is wanted? Like, what do you really want? And I think in marketing, whenever you are able to speak to what is wanted, you make that connection. It's, it's hey, what you need, I offer. Um, but I was just, it was really fascinating to me to explore how he was brilliant in both of those industries mm. or specializations. Thank you. So have you used some of that now? And like, if we, if we shift to, if we shift from this in, this really lighthearted conversation we've been having to something really, something really deep and intense, like business, for example. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Cause you and I are both like so silly and bright, but today it was like <laughs> somber, somber Tuesday. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, have I used it in business? I have had some blocks to work through around selling and abundance but the more i become comfortable beyond thought the more i notice that the way i talk about the work is naturally wanted oriented so your blocks around selling so is that is there a right or wrong in there is that is that the block do you think well the block i'm sure yes uh, yeah absolutely where it's like oh you yeah absolutely yeah, it's it's wrong for me to do this. I can't ask for this or I can't hold myself out as this. Yeah, welcome to my life in selling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm so with you on that. And I think there's a lot of people in business, small business owners especially, that really struggle with the, 
there's some that don't obviously there's some that are able to really efficiently just go hey here's what i offer here's what it costs you can pay me or not like that's it and then there's a lot of us i think that are you know we're we're like artists where we want to suffer <laughs> yeah 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 I, I find that again like this concept beyond concept is mind i mean it really is mind-blowing but it's opening a lot of doors as to what i think is okay to do and mostly from this like playful standpoint where it's like well let's see this would be fun so allowing it's just i i think there's something inherently attractive about expressing for the sake of it that perhaps us artists have discounted in a commerce world so it's like we think that there's something we have to do beyond just express to sell mm. where i think that it might just be enough <sighs> you know what is so awesome is that as that was coming out of your consciousness to me i was thinking about a thought i had i don't know if it was yesterday earlier today I was thinking about, I think it was yesterday, I was thinking about how, how can I release more of myself? Like, how can I just give up this idea that it has to be a certain way? Because I find what I will do is I'll have these stages where I'll just like, I'll just do whatever and put it out there and it whatever happens, happens. And then I'll have these stages where I'm you know, I'll go to Leslie and it's like, oh, can I say this? Like, I don't know if I can say this. Like, it's what I think, but can I say it? Like, I'm, I'm actually putting the brakes on myself because I think there's somebody, I don't even know who that person is that, that's out there that's going to fire back at me going, you can't say that. Like, that's not, in the work that you do, that's not allowed. And so I love what you said there that, that we can, if we, I think it kind of fits into the, if we get out of our own way a little bit and just allow ourselves to be. And so a perfect example will be this podcast because I really tried, you know, I know I threw you some stuff saying, Hey, we could talk about metaphysics and you had sort of said what we could talk about. I don't think we started off on any of that stuff at all. We just, dove into stuff. And now I could sit back and go, Oh, I don't know if I should put this podcast out. We talk about some really heavy stuff. It's really like all of that stuff can play inside my head. And I'm not going to do that. I, I love the conversation we have, but I think it's what you said there, that honesty of just being, this is what lights me up today. I want to talk about this. And maybe there's somebody else out there that wants to talk about it or hear that conversation. And that's who we're going to attract. Yeah, and this sort of relaxation of perfectness, it's allowing for even things that are like negative to have the positive. So there's something, it's just sort of, okay, like let's, let's see. And yeah, I'm with you. And for those that are listening that didn't see it, when she said negative, she did the little bunny ears. <laughs> quotation marks <laughs> the <Yeah>. negative <laughs> i love it <laughs> but 
there is also the seriousness that those of us who have intellectualized spirituality sometimes fall into that to me belies the beauty of it. I mean, it really is pretty ironic and there is some pretty silly stuff that happens if you aren't identified with it. And that's kind of what I was saying uh, earlier back whenever I felt like surrender or control was wrestled from me. The illusion of control was wrestled from me because it's like, I'll be, I'd be sitting in my life <laughs> peeping around and thinking like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Like this is where we are right now. And in an element, like if I was identified with that storyline, I think I would be so overwhelmed. I wouldn't be able to act, but if I can, allow myself to have that experience without it defining me, then it somehow becomes approachable and almost enjoyable. So going back to what you were saying about Viktor Frankl, there is sort of this like inner world where you are okay and the outside is moving and the inside is moving and and that inner place might even be behind your inner dialogue. A lot of the stuff that I've been doing recently has been awareness about awareness and the judgment traps that are there. So kind of like what you were saying um, about wanting to express more authentically, I would say like climb above that and accept that you're not. So it's like, oh, this is who I am right now. You only think you should be different. Wow. So inside of the, inside of the me thinking that I'm not being authentic and um so you're saying climb above that and even look at that and accept that yeah so so then where does that so now now here's what i think of when you say you know when you look into the when you put two mirrors opposed to each other and you look down them and it's an infinite number of visuals so that's what the climbing on top looks like to me right now when you said that is that is that then I need to climb on top of that and look at that and climb on top of that to get to a place of what, where you were talking about earlier that you're just. Accepting this is. This is, there's and no place to go. There's no place to be. I'm just here. And I think there's hesitation to do that because it puts you in time, like out of time in the present moment where there are things that may have to be felt that, weren't comfortable before or just there's just like there is sensation that has been withheld maybe emotionally or physically and whenever you aren't trying to get away from it it's there and so there is like this a little bit of discomfort while you like let that it this is it this is it this is it and kind of feel through what's present for you right you know and i think of some of that also comes from just the the again the order that we've created in our society of the idea of i i need more stuff like that chase of you know my neighbor has this my neighbor has that i need to get this and so everything becomes outside of us and it's a constant wheel of trying to get trying to get so the idea of not trying to get the idea of just being is so foreign to us because we're raised in a culture in a society that says I'm supposed to go have this latest, greatest, newest, thingest and keep up with the Joneses, all of that conversation of consumerism. Well, I think that's interesting too, 
because that same hamster wheel seems to apply to internal development as well. And so some of us are like, oh, cool, like I get it outside is nothing. And then they go inside and they're like, but here I'll get it perfect here. I'll get it right. This is the way it should be. And then they take that, they, that, there's that separation again, where it's like over here, things are okay, but over here they're not. Wow. So accepting, surrendering, fully present. And, and so what's beautiful about that, the idea of doing and getting then transitions from a place of need to that place of experience. So you aren't in, you aren't, you know, cross-legged somewhere humming, but you are engaging with in life without fear. And so if you want to get something, it is for the experience of it, not because of the way that you think it will make you feel because your feelings are always available to you. Hmm. The experience of it, not how it's going to make me feel. So it's like, I may need to get to this place internally so that I feel this. I may need to get this relationship, this car, this house, so I feel that. When you allow for all of that to be relative to a meaning that you have assigned yourself, then you can reassign that meaning to right now and experience those feelings of enough, good, and safe. And from that place, when you act, what you're doing is expressing God. You're expressing light. You are just desire and motion. What do I want? And it's not what do I want because I need. It's just what do I want, period. Mm. Question mark, period. <laughs> Exclamation mark at the end of all of that. <laughs> I'm ending it with an exclamation mark. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> uh so before we wrap up, Shaley Edwards, as always, it's an absolute thrill to uh, dive into this stuff with you. I'm curious, you've been sharing a little bit about the new place that you have your material. Is it, is it Patheon? Close. This is actually, this might be something great for your community as well. I'm super excited about it. And this is sort of what I'm experiencing, like what you're about to witness is what I've been able to allow through my own acceptance, like this would be considered selling, but now it is just like actual expression because I have no objective. I don't need to change anybody. I don't need to get anything. This just is, and it is super exciting for me. It is um, a platform that allows for videos to be organized in different ways. And beyond that, um, patrons sign up at tiers that they select themselves at really accessible price points that afford different benefits. So my first tier is just access to videos. So I've been doing a lot of discussions around identity and subconscious and awareness of awareness. So those would be available. Um, and I'm going to theme them like exercise programming. So instead of like Monday being back and buys, Monday will be like um, beliefs around possibility. And that way each week can build on sustainably what has been done before without overwhelming people who aren't spending, you know, six hours in a monastery each day. Um, right. But so this is Patreon, P-A-T-R-O-N. Patreon. Yeah. It's, I'm super excited. I'm also, um, one of the higher tiers has a community feature. So they, it integrates with two different applications that allow for forms and community and I mean, we met on Instagram and some of the other people that I've met is just unbelievable. Like so excited to bring everybody together in that space. 
And so you're building out. So talk a little bit about. Um, uh, so like, for example, your, your first tier offer every Monday, if it's possibility that discussion every Monday, there'll be a new video on that, or there'll just be a series of videos that they'll sign up for and then they'll get that and it's over. Or is it an ongoing subscription where they will get constant new content? It's an ongoing subscription. And, um, I'm also building out, so if, if people aren't familiar with my work, I um, have this thing called Habit Book, which is um, my riff on self-development in a way that adds um, a tangible component so people can like see how their beliefs are shaping their lives or not. And so I'll build out structures for people to query their life in a new way and as they do that new information comes in their beliefs start to change so usually their beliefs around what's possible for them and how great they are like nobody knows how great they are they're very aware of where they suck but they're not very aware of where they're great and mm. so i'm also um, offering tools each month to reinforce some of those concepts right and that's where you and i did some work and i realized how great i was at eating potato chips right yeah so just to, just to bring some lightness to our conversation here. Seriously, you and I could do a show of just stand up, although no one would believe it today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, how else can people get a hold of you? So how do they get how do they find you on that uh, on that channel of Patreon? Right now, I'd say the best um, place to find me would be habitbook.com that links to all of my social media platforms. I'm very active on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel and um, Patreon is also linked through that. Mm -hmm. And so just in case anyone was looking for what I do, I offer uh, customized bridges to self-acceptance and self-love. And before I had quote, like sold that as we'll get you fitter. You can find the love of your life. You can blah, blah, blah. And while those things do occur as a result of the work, it's mostly just a function of finally coming to love and accept yourself. Mm. And that just opens up every door. Yeah. Well, I can attest as a uh, consumer of your social media and the work that you do that you're, you're a machine in a great and beautiful way. Just you constantly surprise me. And for anybody out there, I think I, I will put in the show notes here a link to the spatula video. If I can find a way to link that for people, uh, that is one of the best <laughs> conversations. <laughs> Do you remember what it was about? I'm having, a, I'm having a struggle right now about what the concept was. But I mean, Leslie and I loved it and watched it a couple of times because it was so beautifully done. Thank you. I think I did a couple. One was about compassion for self and the other. And then the other one was about um, how to make or break any habit in five simple steps. Right. And it was the whole thing. It was like you were in shorts with a <laughs> spatula and a whiteboard. It was beautiful. Um, Shelly, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye now because it's been, it's been heavy <laughs> and it's been awesome. <laughs> Any, uh, anything final? Oh, I did want to share your, uh, your quote. 
Uh, God is about love, and so am I. Oh, God is but love, and therefore Sorry. so am I. God is but love, and therefore so am I. And that's from A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why does that speak to you so deeply? Uh, I think it comes back to that no judgment idea, which kind of gives me peace. Mm. God is but love, and therefore so am I. Yeah, that would be, that's just, that's it. That's all it is. There's nothing else there. That's beautiful. It's a great note to leave on. Anytime I can leave a show on the conversation of love, I think I've, uh, I've done it right. <laughs> uh, I love and appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. Always an honor. And thanks so much to you for joining in and listening to today's show. This is the Bloom Living Podcast. We hope you have yourself an amazing day. We look forward to having you join in again or maybe go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. And if you're so inclined, give us a shout out, give us a thumbs up, share it on social media. We'd really appreciate that. All the best. Stay blessed. Namaste. Namaste.